Till I'm tiptoed you Dot com The podcast about pop culture Black history and spirituality Yeah It's about to be a great vibe Dr. Tip Gonna take it away Till I'm tiptoed you Hey y'all, hey, it's your girl Tip. Thank you for joining me for another edition of Tell Em Tip Told You. I'm glad that we're here together. We have an opportunity to talk again. Uh, and some things I want to share with you. I want to talk just about everything that's going on and what I think we should be doing. I, I promise you it's not going to be a rant like last episode. Um, today is going to be more celebratory, a little bit more instructional on some things I think we should be doing. Let's just jump right in. Let me just do a couple of current events um, it's actually one kind of current. Well, well, anyway, let's just do current events. So uh, basketball player Mikey Williams is now considering going to an HBCU because of his support of these schools. And then we have brother CJ Bowler, who is transferring from Vanderbilt. This is football. Uh, Mikey Williams is basketball. So football is CJ Bowler um, transferring from Vanderbilt to Alcorn. And some of us have been sharing that social media challenge about having our athletes start to return to HBCUs. I think this might be the beginning of a beautiful movement. I am extremely excited about it um, because you know how I feel about HBCUs. But I want to put a pin there and say this. HBCUs must get ready to receive these students. And I'm not just talking about athletes. I'm talking about Hopefully, as a result of the changing political, socio-political climate, then we will see um, larger numbers of quality students changing their decisions from PWIs to HBCUs. HBCUs must put themselves in a position to accept these students and to give these students what they need. Now, historically, one of the reasons I love HBCUs historically and the ones that I have attended, FAMU and Fort Valley State, um, were full of high quality teachers who shared culture and tradition with the students and were very, um, they were spaces where a certain kind of political ideology was nourished, right? I don't think I would be uh, the person I am if not for the climate at FAM and at Fort Valley to create a citizen who is informed and committed to their people, right? I wonder now how some, not all, how some HBCUs have drifted from that original purpose. Now, I'm very proud of what's going on at EWC. It looks like um, their president, Dr. Faison, is doing as much as he can to make sure it contains that kind of traditional HBCU ideology. But we see other places where some anti-Black stuff is happening. Um, at, at, there were a couple of missteps, I think, among HBCU uh, administrators saying things like all lives matter. That was a little tone deaf at the bare minimum. It's tone deaf. Um, we also have to look at who's really pulling the strings at some of these HBCUs and alumni. Now, so let me let me take it off the administration at HBCUs. Alumni like myself who came up in a given era where our HBCUs were very politically motivated. We have got to start 
giving, number one, right? Giving money back so that HBCUs have money for programming and scholarships and things like that. But we also have to put some some puppet strings on that money, right? If you want my money, then I need for you to have a black studies unit on campus. It might not be a whole major, right? It might be just a program. It might be a class that everybody has to take in some diversity issues. But HBCUs have got to return to their roots. Right now, with the result of COVID-19 and its impact on state budgets, a lot of HBCUs are taking drastic budget cuts this year. And they're going to start complaining that they don't have enough money. So it is prime time for alumni giving to be one way that we seek to um, steer our HBCUs in the right direction. And that is towards their roots, right? Their roots were to produce black excellence. I, one of the criticisms I have of some HBCUs right now is that they are trying to be mini PWIs. So they're trying to take programs and uh, mission statements and goals from local PWIs and cut and paste them into their context. It doesn't work. We're not working with the same population of students. We're not working within the same political or historical context. So the plug and play doesn't work, right? Um, I am concerned, and I'm probably going to take some heat on this. I am concerned that so many administrators in higher ed come from a higher ed background. Here's what I mean, that they are trained in the programs called higher ed administration, and they don't necessarily come from inside institutions. That has me a little worried because I'll unpack that another day. But just suffice it to say, if we love HBCUs that like many of us say we do, we brought the Nelia, we show up at homecoming, all that kind of stuff. Now is the time for strategic giving and involvement in alumni affairs. So let's just let's let's do that, because when these students come in, what we don't want to do is to have them come into a toxic environment where some of the faculty don't look like them, don't care about them, don't share culture with them. Some of the some of the faculty in some of these schools are anti HBCUs. Ask me how I know, you know, so we have to um, we have to do our work. Right. So we're asking our students to return back to our institutions. We have to protect our institutions. All right. So as alumni, as supporters of HBCUs, let's make sure we're giving and we're doing what we're supposed to do with our schools. Because right now, um, all of us, as a result of the twinned pandemics of COVID-19 and anti-black racism, we are witnessing a fundamental shift in life as we know it. Nothing is going back to quote unquote normal. The shit wasn't working for us anyway. Y'all seen that meme. It's not working for us anyway. So we're witnessing a fundamental shift. A lot of things are going to change forever as a result of the given health crisis and um, sociopolitical uh, upheavals, right? A lot of things are going to change. We right now have a beautiful opportunity to have a role in shaping what the future looks like, Right. Uh, when I was growing up, I used to say to myself, I wish I had been born in the 60s so I could be part of these movements. Well, look at us now. Some of us who have said those kinds of things have the perfect opportunity to be involved in some of these movements that will fundamentally shape life as we know it. It's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity. Um, and that's what I'm saying about HBCUs. Those of us who love HBCUs, this is a beautiful opportunity to have some input on where we go from here. Right. And um, those of us who are educators, you see right now there is a growing movement about 
um, removing police from schools. Many of us have been doing that work for years, saying that we need to invest in other programming in schools, not school safety officers or school resource officers, right? Which has a, anyway, the school to prison pipeline is very real. That's another topic for another day. But we have an opportunity to shape life. And it, it, um, it brings some faith and hope because we can have that agency. But let me tell you what else it does. It is causing a lot of anxiety and stress among our people, particularly those who are putting their bodies on the line and being out in the, the, um, the protests, right? We have to um, care about ourselves. So self-care has to be radicalized in this moment. As Audre Lorde says, radical self-care is a political act, right? So some of us, our form of resistance has to be in making sure not only we are taking care of ourselves, but the people around us who are involved in the systematic change are also taking care of ourselves, right? Anxiety and stress have very detrimental effects on the human body. If you um, tuned into my um, IG live Friday, I talked about this. I'm going to put a link in the show notes so that if you didn't see it, you can go back and watch it. Um, Stress can cause um, forgetfulness, insomnia, digestive issues, dull headaches, um, all this kind of stuff. And in many ways, we have internalized those um, physical red flags and made them a normal part of our day. Well, I just worked really hard today. That's why I'm, you know, I don't feel well and I can't sleep and I have a headache. No, baby, that's stress. That's not normal, right? And so right now, it is hard to watch TV, to be on social media, um, to read blogs and not be uh, moved towards anxiety and stress in this moment because there is so much upheaval happening, right? Humans crave structure and stability. And right now, because things are changing, there seems to be a lack of stability. We have to deal with the psychological and physical effects of those upheavals. And so we have to create spaces within which we can find black joy, right? There is a um, Instagram clip going around right now. I put it on my stories yesterday of just just videos of black people laughing. And by the end of the, the clip, I was laughing, right? Because I love black joy. And I think we have to be witnessing more black joy in this moment um, because so we got to m- mitigate some of the stress, right? This is why Deaf Comedy Jam was um, amazingly timely because of the social political upheavals that were happening, the Rodney King, uh, the divestiture from South Africa, all that kind of stuff. Deaf Comedy Jam came out in a time period where we needed to laugh. We need to be returning to joy right now in this moment, strategically thinking about how we give space um, to rest, to have a reprieve from some of this anxiety producing news um, and just, you know, find spaces for joy. Now is also the time for black love. Um I, I remember an elder said, Ibae, he's, he's transitioned now, but an elder said that the basic fundamental roots of black freedom is black family. And we need to, whenever, wherever we can, be creating black family. Some of that work is romantic and some of the work is not. And here's what I mean by that. We c- 
family can take all kinds of forms. It doesn't have to be the nuclear family that um, that heteronormative nuclear image that we're fed in the U.S. public school system of mommy, daddy, and the kids and a dog, right? It doesn't have to be that. It can be, um, for example, uh, me and some of my friends had space for young black teachers last night. The people that held that space with me are my family. We have created family and family that does work for black freedom, right? That's what I mean. We have got to be strategically creating community and family right now um, that come together for the purpose of shaping our reality, right? I tell them all the time, my dream is for us to own uh, houses in a cul-de-sac and create a compound. <laughs> That's my dream, right? My dream is for my family to have a compound of you know extended relatives living in the same neighborhood, much like our people did post-enslavement. Right. During radical reconstruction, during the reconstruction period, a lot of black families settled around each other. They created family with other black families in the neighborhood. The street that my grandparents home is on is called Pogue and Woodyard because those are the two families that live there historically. Right. So um, just I think we have to be when we're shaping our future, we have to sit down and really be creative about what that new life looks like. That's another topic for another day because I I, I want to get into that. Um, well, no, because I promised you I would get here last week. I said I would say something about this. You know, I don't think it's unusual that so many black folk are turning towards gardening right now. I don't know if you're in those circles, but a lot of black people in my social media feeds and in my immediate life are starting to, to buy more house plants and have more plants around the house. And a lot of us have taken to growing food. Let me say growing food is a liberatory act. You want to be um, Jakalia, self-determined, right? If you want self-determination, you got to be able to feed yourself. And so it is an act of political resistance to be growing your own food. And I am happy that so many black people are doing that. Here's also what I want. I want black people to think about co-ops and growing together, community gardens and growing together and sharing the load, right? So when I'm talking about building a family compound or building a neighborhood uh, that feels more like a family. I'm talking about you might raise chickens and I can come get some manure out of your yard. I can come get um, some fresh eggs and I'm going to give you uh, this basket of peppers that I grew and I'm going to give you, you know, a couple of cabbages that, I, you know, and then, you know, Sally on the corner, she makes jams and jellies. So she's teaching the kids how to can things. You know, this is what I, Tiffany, envision for my future. Um, so like I said, when we're when we're shaping the future, I want us to be thinking about all parts of the future. Now, here's why last week I said that that there seems to be a reason so many of us are turning to growing things and having living things in our house. And I think it's because our culture is so inundated with death in this moment that there is a part of our soul, a part of our spirit that understands we need to be celebrating life in whatever ways we can. And that includes having living things around us, taking care of living things that we have agency over. All of those kinds of things are a way that we treat ourselves. That's that self, radical self-care is being around as much life as possible when everything around you is trying to kill you. Now, speaking of that, 
If you follow me on Instagram, you've also seen me talk recently about please stop wearing those shirts and please stop with the chants that say I can't breathe. In traditional African cosmology, in, in traditional African thought, word sounds have power. Hell, in Christianity, word sounds have power. The things we say out of our mouth power of death and life reside in the tongue. You remember that? When you are saying, I can't breathe, you are creating energy that will prevent you from breathing. Please don't do that. I would rather the chant be, I can breathe now. I can breathe or something like that. Right? But not the I can't. If you bought the shirt, just put a, a piece of paper or put a nice little Africa pen over the tea. Uh, you know, something, fix it. Because we don't want to be putting that energy out there that we cannot breathe. We can breathe. breathe. Breath is the basis for human life, right? Spiritually, uh, in Lukumi and Ifa and in Christianity even, we are molded from clay and it's the divine breath that gives us life. So let's, you know, I just want us to be careful about how we're using words because again, we're shaping reality. And and I don't want us in resisting death to be calling more death to ourselves. Let, let's, let's be careful with that. Now, I, I want to talk about a legitimate feeling that I've had this conversation with a couple of people, not just one or two, a few people about this. And I want to share it with you. Some of us right now, baby. I, I, I put it on Facebook the other day and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it today. I'm going to make a t-shirt that says, I told you so. Because there are some of us is one in every family is one on every uh, work committee is one, one in every classroom. There have always been black people trying to tell you this was coming. There have always been black people trying to tell you that the system was set up to kill us. And y'all called us radical. Y'all told us we went too far. Y'all told us we pulling the race car too much. And now look at your ass. Out here trying to follow and make shit up because you wouldn't listen hundreds of years ago when black people, t- when Martin Delaney was writing about this. When Anna Julia Cooper was trying to tell you about black women's space and the resistance. Do you hear what I'm saying? Black people been saying this stuff for a very Kaepernick is only one of a line of us that have been trying to wake y'all up. And I, I want to make a t-shirt for all of us to say, I told you so. But I, I'm, 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 you know, being slightly funny here. But for some of us, there is a, a real sense of frustration around y'all just catching up. Oh, now you want to wear the t-shirt. But when they were harassing me at work, you told me I went too far. Right. There is a frustration here. Where when you were trying to silence me in that in that meeting, now you want me to step up and say something. Now you want me to sign a, a, a white paper y'all done written. Now, now you do? Now you do. After I put, okay. Right? So there's a sense of frustration among some of our black people. So I'm going to talk to the black people that are frustrated right now because I, I, I got you. I feel it. I feel it. Let me say to you something. Right now, it's time to have a little grace. I'm just happy people are catching up. I recognize my frustration. I'm giving voice and name to it. 
I'm giving myself space to reflect on where it comes from. But at the end of the day, I need my brother and sister to come with me. They might be late as hell to the party, but we finna party now. Right. So that's I, I just want to I want to I want to validate that feeling among some of us. So, and I want I, I and I want to say I told you so to some of y'all that tried to slow us down. Oh, it ain't that bad. You see the bad here, and you do. We've been trying to tell you that it was a system. Mm. All right, I'm gonna get off that because I don't want my frustration to come back. <laughs> uh, we've been ringing the alarm for a long time. I do want us to do this though. I've said this before. I want to remind us. Please be documenting what is happening. We know a lot of strategy. Those of us who have been paying attention, we know a lot of strategies that are helpful in this moment. Because of the documents that were left to us from the 40s, the 50s, and the 60s, right? In the archives, pay attention to your historians right now, your trained historians that love your people. They can share with you strategies. I'm not talking about um, just strategies about pouring milk in your eyes after tears. I'm not talking about those. I'm talking about real systematic, here's how we organize strategies. Let me tell you something. Go back to Du Bois and Garvey. They had global reach without the use of technology that we have now. They had global reach. The Pan-African Congresses, look at how they, or there's strategy there that you can come together globally to talk about global black issues and celebrate global diasporic culture. How were they able to do that? How were they able to fund that? How was Zora Neale Hurston able to fund her documentation of black life and diaspora. How was Catherine Dunham able to fund it? That's what we need to be plugging into strategy. So you need to be connected to black historians who care about our people. Now, I want to be clear that I'm adding that part that care about our people because history is subjective in a lot of ways. If I, uh, the book I'm working on right now, I can read something, um, and because of my particular spiritual framework and my spiritual lens, I get something different from it than someone who does not have that framework or lens might get. Let me just be more clear. So y'all know I do research on um, black literacy and, and how people write their spirituality, how the written word is used to maintain spiritual traditions in black lives. Right. You might not know that, but now, you know, that's what I do. And when I read things, it is from the perspective of someone who had a grandfather who was a conjure man, who herself is an Orisha devotee, right? Someone who was scratched in Palo, someone who is an espiritista. So I have a, a certain spiritual lens that I use when I'm reading these things. And I can recognize certain ideas that someone who does not have those um, exposures would not recognize. In archaeology, there's an idea of the functional set, right? A functional set. Now, what I'm about to say is going to go over some of your heads, and that's, that's the example I'm giving. If I am exploring an old plantation, right? And in the ruins of a cabin where the enslaved would live, I find in the corner an old iron pot, and a bunch of nails. Now, if you're coming to that with a certain Christian, Judeo-Christian lens, you may wonder if the person was a blacksmith 
or if, you know, they just kept the iron goods in one part of the home for a particular reason. However, if you come with the spiritual lens that I'm using, I'm like, okay, were these people Congo in descent? Right. So because I recognize certain elements that would have functioned as a set in a given spiritual context. That's the idea of the functional set in archaeology and material culture. But the same thing is happening with historians when they're in the archives. If I have a particular motivation to aid my people, I'm looking for strategy, not just the story. Does that make sense? So when we are learning from historians in this moment, pay attention once, just like I said earlier, the, the people that I told you so, pay attention to the, to the black historians that have always written about strategy. I think we can trust them a little bit more. Pay attention to the black sociologists. Listen, this is one of the problems I have with Sandy Darity. In all my black studies training, which started back in the 90s, I ain't really ever read you. You're not part of the black studies canon. And in all my research and training about reparations, your name only recently popped up. That makes me trust other scholars a bit more when it comes to reparations. Do you understand what I'm saying to y'all? That pay attention to who's been doing what for how long. We are about to see. Let me tell you something. We are about to see a huge number of diversity consultants pop up out of the woodwork. Oh, everybody and their mama going to be doing some diversity and inclusion workshops. Everybody and their mama going to be doing workshops on de-escalating conflict resolution. Get your hustle on, right? But if we are the ones doing the hiring and the signing of contracts, pay attention to who's been doing the work. Some people are going to be monopolizing on this moment and they're going to bring you half ass strategies that haven't been thought out. Pay attention to who's been doing what for how long. It's some of the people y'all were making fun of that you need to be now going back to and saying, can you show me how? All right. I just want to say that. Those of us who have been doing the work for a while, we got to move past the frustration and we have to be creating spaces to educate our people. Right. Spaces where we can help people understand if the people and I want those people who are very motivated for change, but who ain't been in this longer than two weeks ago. I want you to seek out the people you made fun of about the race card. Because some of us. Can tell you when you're about to make a misstep, like I think Blackout Tuesday, that was a misstep. That was a misstep. You heard the, the podcast, the last episode. And if you didn't go back and listen to it, you made a misstep. But if you had been connected to some old school activists, somebody could have helped pull your coattail on how that wasn't going to quite get accomplished what you need to get accomplished. Right. So both the old heads and the new to this need to be in spaces. We need to, some of us need to be pulling on the energies of people who just woke up because you're refreshed. You're new to this. You excited about, you know, what's going on. I need to have that energy around me because if we've been doing this forever, that frustration of now y'all want to listen is there. And some of us are fatigued. So we need to be pulling on your energy. We need you. But don't forget that you need us too. All right. And 
let me also be clear. I saw a meme going around. Well, it wasn't really a meme. It was a picture from a march. And it said something about this is the generation where it ends. I, I'm not cool with that because it, it presents hundreds of years of effort went into making this moment. This didn't just pop up in this generation. Y'all just y'all not the ones that just fixed it. Right. This is a historical continuum. So your generation might be the one that sees the end, but you ain't the one that ended it. Do you understand what I'm saying? All of us are necessary for liberation. And if we are going to be as strategic as possible, it has to be intergenerational. Young people need to be in conversation with old people right now in this moment more than ever. If you study the black arts movement, Gwendolyn Brooks is a prime example of this. During the black arts movement, Gwendolyn Brooks as a poet was working at Fisk and she says that it was her students who taught her to be black. Like before that, she was Negro. It was her students who introduced her to blackness. Right. So there is something for the old people to get from the young people. But young people, Gwendolyn Brooks had to teach her students the rules of the game so that they would better understand how to break them strategically. Our elders made mistakes. And because they made mistakes, they learned lessons that you don't have the lesson for yet. Talk to them. They know what works and don't work. So we have to be creating spaces within which we can do this. And we have to be very strategic in creating a balance between impulsivity and strategic planning. This work is long term work. And I'm worried that this generation doesn't see that because they've not been. Let, let me say this. It's not their fault. I work in education. I know what these kids have been taught. They have not been taught about the historical continuum. They don't know what the Panthers were doing. They don't know that the Panthers were modeling themselves on the Deacons for Defense. They ain't never heard of the Deacons for Defense. They ain't never heard of a Robert Williams. So they think somehow that the stuff that they're doing now is new. And it's not really their fault. But it is our fault that we are not telling them now, hey, wait a minute. Yeah, your, your generation is very necessary and you all might be the ones blessed enough to see the change. But guess what? It's the efforts of people in 18th and 19th century to get free that led you to this point. We got to create spaces for that communication and dialogue, right? I told you last night, a group of my friends, we held space for some young black teachers because my friend, you know, we've been in education. And we've been committed to black education. So if you want to learn more about black teachers and black education, come talk to some elders. Let's let's figure this stuff out together. It was a very fruitful conversation. You all can be doing that in whatever industry you're in. Maybe you're an entrepreneur. Meet with some young black entrepreneurs and some old heads. That, that old man that run the shoe shop. <laughs> right. He knows something about businesses that, and longevity. See, some of us are looking at the flat. Oh, I'm gonna go to the entrepreneur thing because you know that touches my heart. Some of us are looking at social media entrepreneurs and thinking that's what entrepreneurship is, and it is right. They're running successful businesses. Some in some cases, it's an illusion, but in some cases, they're running successful businesses. 
But let me tell you something. They have not demonstrated longevity yet. However, that old soul food restaurant that's got dust on the menus that your mama and them talk about going to when they were little kids, that's who you need to be talking to. Because they, ha- they can have a conversation with you about longevity. That old black beautician that's still doing pressing curls for all the old people in the church, that's who you need to be talking to. You want to sell some bundles because she's going to be able to tell you how you stand the test of time and how you build clients that are family. I'm not saying ignore new school coaches. I'm saying new school coaches need to have them a mentor from some of these old traditional black businesses. And let me say this, as many of us, more of us are becoming more committed to deliberately doing business with black people. I want to point out that all of us do not have to sell T-shirts, shea butter, bundles, lashes, tea. You understand what I'm saying? Let's get creative about the businesses we develop. I have an educational consulting firm. Do you understand what I'm saying? We have to diversify our efforts. We are not just a people. Now, I'm not. uh, Listen, please. I want to be very clear on this. I am not thumbing my nose at people in the beauty industry. Because some of the biggest black millionaires made money in the beauty industry. What I am saying is. You don't have to just do that. Some of y'all can cook your asses off. <laughs> Open a restaurant. Some of y'all like to drive. Uh, uh, go into trucking. Open a delivery service. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of us are very good at um, creating beauty. I have a, a sister friend, Vince by Lisa, who um, does event planning. Right. Because that's her. That's her. I want us to think outside the I'm going to make some T-shirts. I'm going to order some lashes. I'm going to get these bundles. You can make money in those places. But I'm just saying that's not the only place you think about what your gifts and talents are. And have a conversation with that old black business in your neighborhood. The black funeral home. Oh, baby. Some of us need to be anyway. Mortuary science. All right. Um. So I talked about, I'm trying to make, I'm going down my list. I'm trying to make sure I'm hitting everything I want to talk about because I'm going off on tangents. All right. So, um, yeah, the phone rang, so that threw me off a little bit. I'm sorry. So I, I know sometimes it seems like this is just, anyway, I'm not even going there. So the next thing I wanted to talk about was National Range Day. So this Saturday is National Range Day. Um. Uh, There is a movement afoot for black firearm instructors to be at the range. For those of us who are interested in self-defense classes to learn firearm safety and to learn about regulations for firearms in our given areas. Um, So if you have access to Instagram, I'm going to send you to my sister's keeper defense. And if you click the link in her bio, you'll be able to see a list of the different locations where they will be on Saturday. If you're in the Atlanta area, it'll be Stoddard's Gun Range in Midtown and Douglasville. Um, This Saturday, the 13th, is National Range Day. They're asking for black people to wear all black on that day if you choose to go. Um, I also want to send out this reminder because I am an iffy on National Range Day. If there were not COVID-19 right now, it would be no question I would be there bright and early with, you know, bells on. However, 
because I have these underlying health issues, I, I, I'm trying to be careful. And so I'm not sure if I'm going to go to National Range Day. I don't want you all to feel pressured. I want us to remember. And I'm, I'm becoming frustrated because I keep seeing these pictures and things of people out and about without masks on. Y'all, please, please, please remember that we are still in the middle of a global pandemic. Just because the media's attention has shifted does not mean that our attention has to shift. Pay attention. 80% of the cases in the state of Georgia right now are black folk. Be careful. If you choose to go, make sure you're taking your mask. Make sure you're social distancing there. Don't be hugging up on people. I know how black. It's hard for me because I'm a touchy-feely person. I miss hugging people. But, you know, just be careful. I just want to put that reminder out there. We are still in the middle of a global pandemic. I do want us to be looking at Anyway, that's a whole nother issue for another day. I was going to talk about holistic health care, but we'll, we'll do that next week. Um, I do want to give you this closing message. The current upheavals in many ways are focused on police brutality as they rightly should be. However, as I said at the beginning of this podcast episode, we are witnessing a shift in human life. That shift must be holistic. So while we are looking at the systematic oppression of police brutality, let us also be talking about systematic economic exploitation of black people, systematic educational disparity, systematic healthcare disparity disparities. All right. So yes, in this moment, we are focused on police brutality, changing laws. The no-knock order, Brianna's law passed on her birthday. Praise God, give thanks, right? Um, we are looking at municipalities defunding police. Praise God, give thanks. So that focus, and, and for people who say the protests don't work, we got a long list of the things that have been affected within the last few weeks because of this global attention to, this, to these upheavals. So... While, yes, some of our attention is on those on, on the law, let us also start paying attention to black business, to black education, to black. Po- you know, we got to look at it all. If you haven't turned in your census records, please do to do so. Uh, they're due on August 14th. That's how funding comes into our communities. All right. If you need to know more about that, shoot me an email at Dr. Tippett. Tell them to told you and I'll tell you what I know about why we need to be counted. Um, so do that. A lot of primaries are happening. If you haven't already voted in your early elections, go ahead and vote. Um, make sure you are an informed voter. Just don't be looking for Democrat, Republican. Pay attention to what the policies are. If you don't know, reach out to someone who may know. If you have AKAs around you, and I'm only saying this because I'm an AKA, so I know that we have this programming. If you have a, a, a chapter of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority Incorporated near you, reach out to them. We have a, a target called Connections, and we are helping people learn about candidates. So you might be able to reach out to your local chapter and get information on candidates and things like that. Um, do, 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 do. I think that's all I really wanted to say today. Be around health and living things. Stop saying you can't breathe. Create space for um, intergenerational conversations about how we do this. And let's let's create the change we want. All right. I love y'all. Tell them to tell you. Have a good day.
拜。